from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hey fam, I'm Jada Pinkett Smith, and this is the Red Table Talk podcast. All your favorite episodes from the Facebook Watch Show in audio. Produced by Westbrook Audio and iHeartRadio. Please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Attention ladies, for the first time in history, women are drinking as much as men. Ask yourself a serious question. Are you drinking too much? I was going for that third bottle of wine. I said, you've got a problem. Alcohol's being glamorized. Wine Wednesdays. Girlified. Bottomless mimosas. Sold as a lifeline to sanity. Wine glasses that say wine is cheaper than therapy. It's a normalization of heavy drinking. How much is too much? I could down a bottle in like an hour and a half. These are the new faces of alcoholism, and they're not who you'd expect. The teacher of the year, a New York attorney, a corporate vice president, plus the four questions that could save your life. That's my kryptonite. I cannot be around vodka. It's a red table wake-up call. They're real livers coming in. Those are real livers. Oh. One of the reasons why this particular show was really important to me is because wine for me was like Kool-Aid. Because, <laughs> like, I was a you know, a brown liquor drinker, vodka. Like, I was a hard liquor drinker. Like, I could drink almost anybody under the table. Damn. Yeah, Will specifically. Now, Will's a lightweight. Oh, he's such a lightweight. But, I mean, I used to be a hard one to keep up with. 
when I moved to red wine, I considered myself like, oh, this is better. This is better for me because they say the red wine is, good for, is good for you, you know. But drinking red wine for me was like drinking glasses of water. water. Yeah. It wasn't even like, so I'm not drinking it like. You're like, I'm like, all right, where's the next? Because I'm used to that hard hit. I was drinking hard in high school, too. And when I got out here, I was doing cocktails. So ecstasy, mm. alcohol, Ooh. weed. Whoa. What a combination. You were having a good old time, Let me you? tell you, I was having me a little ball. You began I was down? like, this is not cocaine. This is not heroin. Ecstasy? I wasn't doing things that I thought was addictive. <laughs> but I would do those three together. That was my cocktail. Okay. Your threshold becomes so high Mm -hmm. that what it takes for you to to get to the place you need to get to, yeah. it'll take me two bottles to get to, okay, if I do ecstasy, weed, and alcohol at the same time, I'm going to get there faster. And I can keep the high going because then I can just keep drinking because I know ecstasy is going to last me about oh three, four, God. five hours. The weed, you know, that's just going to keep me just smooth. And then the alcohol is going to keep it going. Like I'm I can just, just keep so taking drink, 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 drink. Regular drink. old stoner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh my god. I'm not like that sounds intense. Listen. That sounds like I listen, would that everybody, sounds like no. You, you know can what that see sounds the like? stress that I've been under as a recovery addict. You know what that sounds like my him? family <laughs> that is not accepting of the fact that addiction runs But deep I got the, in I got veins. it quick. Jesus. Literally, I got it quick. Like once Ugh. I was going for that third bottle of wine, I said, you've got a problem. And I, it was cold turkey that day. That day? That day, I just stopped. Wow. And yeah. never since? No. I mean, I'll have, like, I've had a glass of wine here and there, yeah. but I cannot touch vodka. You're lucky. I cannot touch rum. Yeah. Rum's another one. No dark liquor. I'll never forget, I was in New Orleans with Will. They had these lavender vodka drinks. Oh. I'm like, I haven't had vodka in years. But you know, know I could damn try. well. Let me tell you, I had that lavender vodka drink. I had one. I had a second one. Oh, no. And I was craving for a third one. I haven't stopped thinking about that drink till this day. <laughs> yes. I haven't stopped thinking about that drink till this day. Oh, my god. But that's goodness. when I realized, I was like, Jada, you can't play no games. Yeah. And when I see vodka... Even when I open up the refrigerator and they have those vodka spritzers in there and I look mm -hmm. at it, that grapefruit vodka combination, I'd be like, and let me tell you the kind of discipline I have to put in, because just because I have a problem with vodka, I can't tell, well, you right. can't have vodka in the house. You can't yeah. do that. I'm not doing all that. Totally. But I think also I'm a binger. Mm. Yeah. Right? And I'm a binger. Your grandmother was, was a, binger. a binger. When it's yeah. time to your go, your paternal grandmother was a we binger. We gonna go. Yeah. Right? So I wasn't the type of person that was drinking every day. Yeah. You know, I was like a weekend party girl. Totally. You know what I mean? So it was like, yo, Thursday to Monday morning. Yeah. <laughs> Thursday to Monday morning, I would go. Oof. Like, just... Yeah. But it never got to the point where it interfered with your being able to go to work. Did you ever... There was like, one incident. I had one incident. <laughs> mm -hmm. was that one was an eye-opening incident for me as well. I had one incident on Nutty Professor. I passed out. When you told me that story... Makeup trailer. That's when I you was You never like, told me that. No. Wow. I passed out. I went to work high, and it was a bad, 
batch of ecstasy. Lord have mercy. And I passed out. And I told everybody that I had taken, I must have had old medication in a vitamin <laughs> bottle. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You're think of some lies, won't we? Hey. Oh my God. But I tell you what I did <laughs> though. Got my ass together and got on that set. Yeah. That was the yeah, last hard. time. Like I, whew. Take heed. I would never do something like But that's that. why I was on you always. I stay on because you, Jaden, and Trey, because I grew up with my mother, who was a heroin addict, and still it didn't sink into me that any mind-altering substance, I don't care what it is, all y'all young people talking about, weed is from the earth. And I'm like this. I'm you like, know, it's a gate. You know it's every a gate. year. All of it is I from the earth, God All damn of it is from the damn earth. Every so year, is heroin. Every year. <laughs> I know my body and it's taken me a long time to understand what works best for me, but it's imperative for me to stop smoking every year for at least two months. This is my fourth year doing it now. Oh, I know, but I think the day that you decide to do it all together will be a very happy day for me. Well, no, I it'll be a day that you'll see... for you guys. I think that's you'll great see something that's different. for you guys. <laughs> it is. I think that's awesome, you know? No, I get it. You know, and everybody you, has their journey. I'm grateful that that's all you are dealing with, because when I was your ecstasy, age, the I was doing alcohol. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm like, you, you try to get on me. I'm like, you was much worse than me. It can get really messed up. I would always want, like, if you guys saw something in me that was like, oh, that's a downward spiral that is going to catch her real quick. That's why you have to trust the eyes around you, because you won't know. Yeah, And exactly. that was the thing with me. Don't think that people didn't try to tap me on my shoulder. Yeah. Don't think that when I was at Debbie Allen throwing up all over her house. Lord have mercy. Okay. Thank you, Debbie. Yeah. Jesus. That she wasn't like, hey. Totally. But I had to reach my rock bottoms. Yeah. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall to just see how crazy. I was out of control. I wish I could have too, so I could have yanked her ass up. Swear <laughs> to God. I think back on my life, I'm like, I am a walking miracle. You are. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. You are a walking miracle. People would not believe this one is too. Yeah. I guess I'm just kind of a little fuddy-duddy on the side. <laughs> Thank you, God. <laughs> right now we have Dr. Jessica Mellinger, and she is a liver disease specialist at the University of Michigan who has witnessed shocking trends over the past year. Thanks for talking about this topic. It's a good one. Yeah, tell us what you've been seeing. We've been seeing astronomical uh, increases in hospital stays for young women with alcohol-related liver disease, something we previously kind of thought happened mostly just in middle-aged men. So just really, really surprising. Wow. More women are drinking more heavily. Women are starting to drink like men, you know, and so they're starting to get liver disease have you been able to identify when this uptick is actually happening in a woman's life? Yeah. In the 40s and 50s is still kind of the biggest chunk of people that we see with this. Okay. But the rates of women in their 20s and 30s and early 40s are starting to really catch up with that. Wow. I've seen a lot more of my peers, specifically during the pandemic, um, drinking a lot more. What we do find is that a large percentage of the population of young people, 18 to 29 year olds, almost one in four, are reporting that they had an alcohol use disorder in the last year. That's that most severe form of addiction, right? That's not just, I misused alcohol once in a while, and that younger age group, we're just seeing those numbers go up and up and up. 
I've definitely seen friends and family members become excessive drinkers yeah. over the pandemic. And it's really hard to talk to people about it because I think that women are, are targeted in a certain way in the marketing of how, you know, like Wine Wednesdays and or- And mimosas yeah, yeah, at brunch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been difficult to even talk to people that have had excessive drinking issues. I think you're absolutely correct that that's exactly what's happening is that we have a culture that is really kind of promoting drinking as just what you do to, you know, end your day, to cope with problems. When I walk through hospital gift shops, there's alcohol paraphernalia, there's wine glasses, there's shot glasses wine purses, if you can believe this, you know, a, a purse that has a little spigot on it that you can, you know, put wine in and hide it. And I think it's kind of a normalization of heavy drinking. And it's a normalization of using alcohol in a way that is kind of a coping mechanism. Yeah, like it's okay to drink alcohol when you're depressed or bored or feeling lonely. That's yeah. the thing to do. Yeah, and I've seen it when, you know, shopping out in the stores, you know, wine glasses that say wine is cheaper than therapy. You know, Ooh. there's this, yeah, this normalization of it, this normalization of that behavior. That. Definitely. glamorization of it. You know, you watch TV, you see women relaxing with big glasses of wine and we're not Huge. talking about little glasses. Yeah, yeah. big glasses. <laughs> What are some of the signs of the liver disease? The signs can be pretty dramatic. And I was able to arrange to have a couple of livers um, brought in for you guys to look at. Ooh. Oh, 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 oh. Those are real livers. They're real yeah. livers coming in? Those are real livers. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Those Here are we real livers. <laughs> well, you know, Gamza, she's a nurse, and so she loves this stuff. I don't know if I want to see this. Well, we're going to see it. Because here we are. <laughs> okay, so yeah. that's a normal liver. Oh, that's really bad. Oh. Yeah. So you can see the normal liver is nice and smooth. And the liver that's cirrhotic looks really lumpy, oh kind of bumpy, God. shrunken. And that's scar tissue. That's scar tissue that's kind of marbled all through that liver. What's happening is just like if you get a cut on your hand and it gets red and then you have a scar, the alcohol is irritating your liver. And when people do get liver disease symptoms, it could be, you know, your eyes turning yellow, your skin yeah. turning yellow, your belly kind of swelling up with fluid. People will bleed heavily. They'll have, mm. you know, vomiting blood, getting confused. Prior to that, you might just feel kind of maybe nauseated, not want to eat as much. You just kind of don't feel good. So they can be pretty vague symptoms that don't necessarily cue you into the fact that you've got a developing liver disease problem. That's really, really scary to look at. <laughs> I'm just going to be straightforward. But that gives you a reality. Is like once you can see something like that, hopefully people will be like, I don't want my liver to look like that. You don't get advanced alcohol-related liver disease overnight. It takes years right. to get cirrhosis. Yeah. So if you're getting cirrhosis in your late 20s, 30s, even 40s, you started drinking really early. Early, yeah. We have to always remember too that there's really two diseases going on here. There's an alcohol use disorder and there's a liver disease. Yeah. And we don't want to forget about the first one. Right. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. 
That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Now, let me ask you, because you're using alcohol use disorder instead of just saying alcoholism. Why is that? We've moved away from using terms like alcoholism or addiction because people have told us that they feel stigmatized by it. Not everybody is willing to admit right off the bat that they have an addiction. So what I tell my patients is, you know, I don't care what term you use to describe yourself. Just recognizing the reality of what's going on. And I try to stick with the terminology my patients are comfortable with. If they want to use alcoholism or addiction, then I'll use that when I speak with them. And if they don't, we don't. I'm told that there's a self-assessment quiz for people to know if they're drinking too much. Yeah, they go by the term, the cage questions. The first is, do you feel like you need to cut back? Um, And this is often kind of that first sign. This is what I get asked a lot by people. How do I know I'm drinking too much? And well, if you feel like you might be, that's probably a good sign that, that you should really think about cutting back or stopping altogether. Do you get annoyed by people who talk to you about cutting back? Do you feel guilty about your drinking? And then do you need an eye opener when you get up in the morning? Mm. Answering any one of those, What's an you know, could be a sign that you've got uh, an alcohol use problem. Me up to get so let me ask you a question. If I have a friend who feels as though drinking a bottle of wine by herself is okay, is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> I think the straight answer is no. I'd say that's a problem. And that's I think it speaks to something that many of us are unaware of. What is a drink? What is one drink? One standard unit of alcohol and one drink would be a shot. One shot, like one and a half ounces of 
hard liquor like vodka or whiskey. One can of beer, a standard 12 ounce can of beer is one drink, four to five ounces of wine. So there's about five glasses of wine per bottle, roughly. And many people are having much more than that. I had a patient who said she was only having three drinks a day. She wasn't certain why she, you know, had liver disease. Come to find out that she was actually pouring about six shots worth of of alcohol into each drink. And so she was actually having 18 drinks (gasps) per night. And if you're a woman and you don't have liver disease, this is for people who don't have alcohol use disorder or liver disease or an alcohol medical issue, anything over one drink a day is really too much. That's important for people to know what those recommendations are. Having more than one drink a day is too much. Mm-hmm. For someone for without yeah, liver disease? For someone without liver disease. If you have liver disease, you shouldn't drink at all. But if you don't at have all. liver disease, you one. should only be having one. One drink. And there's some data to suggest that even one drink might be too much. So, but right now the National Institute of Health recommendations are one drink a day for women, two for men. And I hear a lot in my clinic, people who are surprised that they have alcohol-related liver disease, particularly young women mm-hmm. who, who don't think that they were drinking that much. They were just drinking wine with their friends and not realizing that they're getting through a bottle a night. That's a lot. I had to clutch my pearls on the inside a little bit, just around. <laughs> I mean, one thinking drink, about your history, thinking about my history, mm-hmm. you know, just that one drink. Because I mean, I was a drink yeah. a bottle real fast drinker. How, what do you think, time. like one hour? I could down a bottle in maybe like an hour and a half, half. two. Oh my God. One glass after another, one glass after another, because you're just there watching TV, drinking gee gee gee, and you're not. And I'm thinking it's red wine. It's chill. So I'm like, do I need to get my liver check? <laughs> <laughs> I stopped drinking years ago. Jaden's yeah. 22, so yeah. it's been 22 years for me, so. Oh, very good, congratulations. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, like the doctor is shocked and appalled right now. <laughs> She's like, what? <laughs> so what's the latest on red wine being healthy? So if you have any liver disease at all, we recommend no, no. drinking. Right. There has been some suggestion that that red wine may have some cardiovascular benefits, and the data is kind of up and down on that, just depending upon which study you look at. From a liver standpoint, my being a liver doctor, I think certainly if you have any amount of liver disease, even red wine is really going to be damaging to you. Wow. This has been a very informative conversation. Yeah, there's a lot of things I really didn't know. Right. Everybody talking about how red wine, you know, if you have a glass of red wine a day, that that's healthy for you. I think it's really important to just be aware of, am I craving this? Am I going after it for, you know, relaxation purposes to get to sleep at night all the time? Because that's really when I see a lot of my patients find that it sort of gets out of hand. Right. Well, thank, thank you for, you for yeah, thank you for coming and schooling, schooling us today. <laughs> you gave me some information I was not aware of at yeah. all. Thank you. Next up, mother of three, Annie Grace, was a rising star in the marketing world until happy hour turned into two bottles of wine a night. Poised, driven, and ambitious, Annie Grace was just 26 when named vice president of a multinational company. She never imagined her after-hours work drinks would nearly cost her everything. I'm so terrified. Can you please rescue yourself? Please. Annie found her purpose after hitting rock bottom. She created This Naked Mind, a program that has empowered millions to change their relationship with alcohol. I was global head of marketing for a company headquartered in London. 
in charge of 28 countries, flying oh. all over the world, you know, international trips where the booze was just flowing mm -hmm. and drinking two bottles of wine every single night. When was the moment that made you go, whoa, something's really wrong here? There was this one time I asked my four-year-old to come sit on my lap and he said, no, mom, you smell bad and your teeth are purple. <laughs> and it was just like, mm, yep. what is happening? Like, how can I be showing up for my kids like this? And it was these little moments. I was coming back from a super boozy work trip. I'd been up till three in the morning the night before. I went down into the hotel bar and said, oh gosh, I just need something. She said, I can give you a screwdriver, which is one of those little lines. If I don't drink hard alcohol first thing in the morning, then I'm still okay. I'm mm. still not over the line. I'm, right. I'm still not still not a problem. And so I said, oh, but I'm really in pain. And I had this headache and I said, I just have to get home to my kids. And so I, I ordered one and I had two or three and I got to Heathrow Airport and I'm sitting in the airport and I'm just in tears and I'm writing in my journal. And I remember writing the words, am I an alcoholic? Mm. And just really for the first time seeing that kind of in black and white. The thing was, at that point in my journey, I had been trying to cut back. I had done all sorts of things. I said, you know, no drinking till the weekend yep. or yeah. just yeah. one glass. I had all of these rules and everyone I would break. And I stopped being able to really look at myself in the mirror. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking, why can't I do this for my kids? You know, I'm smart. I'm together. I have it in control in all other parts of my life. But this one thing, like, it has got me. Yeah. And why can't I do this one thing? Right. And so I'm sitting there and I'm asking the question that I've been asking for years now is, what is my problem? What's wrong with me? Right. And I had this moment that I can only describe as like some divine moment where I said, nothing's wrong with you. Find out why. Ooh. Find yes. out what's so changed. Powerful. Oh, wow. That's a good one. And so I made myself two promises. I said, you know, I'm going to stop trying to stop drinking. I'm going to let myself off the hook. I'm going to wow. give myself some self-compassion because this roller coaster of shame and blame and trying these rules and breaking yeah. these rules, it was losing my soul. Yeah. I was losing touch with myself. I did not trust myself anymore. And I said, you know what? You've been doing the best you can with these tools you have. Give yourself compassion. Take a year mm -hmm. and find out why. Mm. And so I went on this journey and I wrote down every single reason I drank. And I just started learning Got that it. all those reasons I was drinking, alcohol relaxes you. No, it doesn't. It releases cortisol, the stress hormone. Wow. wow. It does? It does. Yeah. And adrenaline. That's crazy. I didn't alcohol know Alcohol makes things more fun. No, it doesn't. It actually numbs your ability to feel pleasure mm -hmm. so that you think nothing's fun without alcohol because of all the past alcohol you've been drinking. Right. <laughs> like neurochemically, that's what happens in the brain. And so I look at this and about a year later, I walk out of my office, I tell my husband, if you want to drink with me again, tonight's the last night because I'm done after this. <laughs> he looks at me, he's like, mm. there was no trust there. He didn't believe me, but sure enough, I really was done. You recorded um, yourself doing one of your worst, worst moments. moments. A few minutes of boost and relax. I'm so terrified. This is not a joke. Stop barging around the gym. This is addictions. Yeah. Wow, you know, a 
lot of people have those moments. I always hear people share about calling out to God. Yeah. In their final moments of recognizing that addiction has taken over and there's nothing that they can do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't remember making those videos. I well, have lots of them. I was, yeah, just, wow. So Annie, you have a whole program called This Naked Mind. This Naked Mind just started as my own journey. I realized I wanted my mind to be naked. I didn't want to be influenced or controlled by anything else. Wiping your mind. I love clean it. Clean slate. And when I put it out into the world, it resonated. People started writing me letters. It worked where nothing else worked, where they had tried everything and they'd felt as stuck as I felt. And now millions of people around the world have been impacted and helped because they're also able to feel really empowered to change their behavior from an emotional place. Wow. I hear you have three pillars that helped you stop drinking. What are they? The three pillars are action, emotion, and knowledge. Action, emotion, knowledge. Okay. And so you can take the action, day one, you mm -hmm. stop, and then hope that the knowledge and the emotion catch up. Right. Mm. Or you can get the knowledge, and that's what I did, and I didn't even know I was doing it. I got all this knowledge. Right. Alcohol doesn't actually relax me. It doesn't mm -hmm. actually make things more fun. Right. And then my emotion changed. Wow. And then when I finally stopped, it was not as hard as it had been every other time I'd Because everything mm -hmm. had caught up. Everything was aligned at that point. Everything was aligned. Right. Because right. as we know, willpower, it just runs out. It becomes something that over time, if you get stressed during the day, you have less willpower at home to turn down that next drink. Once I understood the science, when I, so I understood you know, that all the things I thought it was doing for me, it just wasn't doing, mm -hmm. then my emotions changed. Right. And then I wanted it as much as I wanted like a glass of motor oil. I just didn't want to drink, drink. Mm -hmm. and yeah. that was so freeing. How long have you not been drinking? Over six years six now. Years. Nice. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. All right, so Jessica Duenas was Kentucky's Teacher of the Year. On the same day, she won this prestigious award. She was hiding a dark, painful secret. Welcome. Thank you, thank you. So, what was the secret you were hiding? <laughs> yes, my secret was that while I was holding that trophy, I was fiending to end the ceremony and go get liquor and go home and black out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In that picture, I was in withdrawals, and that's why I'm shiny and sweaty. It was... Awful. And so that's kind of like how my days were at that point. I would wake up around 2 a.m., do my lesson planning, go to school, take Xanax to ward off the withdrawal symptoms, yeah. um, teach. I taught really well. I had so much shame for being an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was such a terrible person outside of school mm -hmm. that when I was teaching, I was just diving in 100%. Yeah. And as soon as the bell rang, I said bye to the kids who I love dearly. But as soon as I said bye to them, straight to the liquor store, straight home. And I would probably be blacked out by like six, seven o'clock, wake up at two, wash, rinse, repeat. Wow. At your worst, how much would you say you were drinking? I was drinking at least a fifth a day for a year and a half. So I actually did end up with alcoholic liver disease. A fifth, like, I'm sorry, the fifth? I don't, what is it? What? It's like the bottle that's like this big. Yes. So it's like the standard bottle the that standard. usually multiple people will share. Exactly. There will still be some left over. <laughs> Got it, exactly. I was drinking the whole thing in one day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was your rock bottom? I kind of hit two rock bottoms. I started to have like the swollen belly. Mm -hmm. I was throwing up bile. My vision would start to get a little bit blurry. I would have people cover my classroom because they thought that I was sick and that I had stomach issues. No, it was that I was drinking a lot and I was having these symptoms all day. Mm -hmm. For 13 years, I was able to work and manage the double life 100%. Right. But one day, I couldn't get out of the house. I was terrified to get in the car and drive. 
I was like, there's something really wrong. I can't even pretend anymore. Exactly. Right. So I Googled and I saw that there was a rehabilitation facility. I got sober then and I thought, good. I went to college, graduate school twice. Wow. I lived on my own, first generation American. And I was yeah. like, well, if I can do all this, getting sober should be easy, right? Yeah. Right. No. You know, I lasted till the holidays yeah. and I started drinking. So I ended up in a rehab facility again. I didn't tell anybody. I hid it from my complete family. Like, nobody knew. I struggled so much. Mm -hmm. I was like, it was just a rough, you know, it was like it was a rough break. Yeah. I was afraid of losing my job. And then my biggest, most terrifying traumatic relapse was when I was in a relationship with someone who was also in recovery. His drug of choice was heroin. Mm. And he relapsed with everything with COVID going on, right? Like, we lost our support groups. Yeah. We couldn't go to work. And it was just us two in, like, the house together. Even though we loved each other very much, it's not enough. Yeah. You know, when you're in recovery, Absolutely. like, you need, need to get with your people. Yep. You need to be in your community. And we were just stuck. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not one hundred percent sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Jessica fell in love with her boyfriend, Ian, when they were in rehab together. His battle with drugs began when he got hooked on prescription painkillers after a military injury. With her own sobriety hanging by a thread, Jessica tried convincing Ian to get help. I was hiding his disease because I was ashamed for yeah. him. I didn't want to tell anybody that my boyfriend was addicted to heroin. One day, we were supposed to have like a romantic date. I texted him to get me a Diet Coke and I didn't hear anything. I called, nothing. So then I was like, God, let me go to his apartment. Thing, knock, nothing, knock, nothing, knock. Call the phone, hear the phone ringing. I start to get anxious, so I start banging on the door. Neighbor comes and he's like, oh, I'm gonna call the police on you. And I'm like, please, please call the yeah. police because something's wrong with him and he's in there. Yeah. When the police come and the rest of it's such a blur, I remember the 
like them opening the door and they're like, there's a dead male. And it was him. I fell apart. And then they were like, do you have his mom's? And so I had to call his mother and say that he's gone. Then I had to call his brother. His mom came and I never wish on any soul mm. having to tell a mother that her son is dead. Coroner finally let us in. He was blue. A few hours ago, he had just said, I love you, I'm gonna go to the store. Yeah. And then he went from that to being gone. The coroner took the body, his family went, and I went straight to the liquor store, straight home. After that, I got hospitalized eight times in 2020. I went to rehab and there a doctor was like, you can't deal with your grief and so you drink to deal with it and then you're never processing these feelings. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? I surrender, I'm waving that white flag. When I walked out of that facility, I resigned from teaching and something just clicked in me. There was no amount of alcohol that I could have drank to make me feel better. Yeah. At that point, I stopped, thank God. And um, I've been sober now. It's like day 166. Oh, so I'm like yeah. five and a half months. There so you go. by the That's grace beautiful. of God yes. and the universe and like the higher powers that be. I wrote this op-ed in a local newspaper in Kentucky. And I said, this is me. I'm an alcoholic. I've been drinking forever. Like I've been struggling. I've been living this double life. And I remember the day that it came out, I was so anxious. I had actually been teaching at an all boys school. And I was like, my boys, they're not going to want to talk to me. They're going to be over me. They're parents. Yeah. But the best thing was those kids, they were like, you know, you're just teaching us something different, you know, and you're it's just funny. Us. Yeah. yeah. Like they, oh, and they so say sweet. that. They say that. And yeah. they're just like, thank you for telling and us. And it's all worth it. It's been 100% worth it. Every relationship I had got stronger. Yeah. I think it's awesome that your students recognize that that was a teaching moment, mm -hmm. yes. you know, it's a teaching moment about life. Having struggles and falling down is, it's, that's part of life, you know, and it's not about the fall, it's about, mm -hmm. it's, about, the, it's about the get up. What I would just say to anybody, it's like, if you're questioning it, there's probably something wrong. And the yeah. other really big thing too that I would say is you're never alone. Cause I feel like for as long as I kept my mouth shut, I was poisoning myself. Yes. Once I finally opened my mouth, everything came out. I've stayed sober since I've opened my mouth. Yes. You know what I'm yes. saying? And so I feel like people need to realize it's okay to not be okay. You keeping a secret could be the difference between you living and dying. That's yeah. real, 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 talk. real, yeah. real talk right yeah. there. Had to learn that the hard way. Thank yeah. you so thank much you for so coming. Much. Thank you so much story. for sharing your story. Thank you. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, that was a powerful testimony. Yeah. Keep doing the work. Yeah, keep yes. doing the work. <laughs> yes. How many times did you relapse, Gail? I mean, you know, it's debatable whether you actually want to call it relapse because relapse actually implies that there has been like some going. recovery Covery. that right. has taken place. Right. Okay. So I would just have periods, I call them of abstinence, yeah. and then I would use again. I would always run back to a different meeting. To kind of sneak in and get kind of comfortable there and say, oh, no, I was going to these meetings and all of that nonsense. And every time I would do that, I would feel so much relief just having admitted it yeah. and going back and picking up that one day keychain. Yeah. Yeah. It was such a relief. And then I was like, you're making yourself feel all that shame. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Nobody feels that way about you. Totally. You just yeah. got to keep coming back totally. until it clicks. And that's the one thing, the one thing I never did was stop going. Yeah. That's amazing. I yeah. just kept coming back. 
And one day, the light bulb went off. Yeah. Thank God. When 29-year-old Katie was ready to put an end to a decade of binge drinking and blackouts, she took matters into her own hands. A New York attorney, Katie, has always been an overachiever who could conquer anything. But when it came to alcohol, she was powerless. At one point, she was drinking so much she couldn't remember the night before. In 2018, Katie got sober to save her own life. She had no idea she was about to change the lives of countless others with her groundbreaking group, Sober Black Girls Club. What did your binge drinking look like? I was studying for the bar. I had my dream job. I had my dream car. I had like a really luxury, nice apartment. Life was good. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So now why am I depressed? And mm -hmm. this is when my drinking problem exacerbated to a addiction. And this right. is when like binging started. Literally going to work and coming back home and just feeling so empty. Yeah. Feeling like I haven't accomplished anything, feeling like a failure. It was just a terrible feeling, a feeling that I just ran from. Mm -hmm. right. And then that basically turned into me binging. What I realized through therapy was that I had people mm -hmm. telling me I was pretty and smart. I was given awards. School always came easy to me. And, and then when that was all taken away and I was put into the setting or this nine to six setting mm -hmm. where now I don't have anyone telling me, giving me compliments. I'm yeah. not I'm not a star. I'm not shiny, no. especially when you're in settings where like you're the only black person doing certain things. Yes. Like the focus is on you. Through therapy, I realized that, like, Katie, you never had self-esteem. Your self-esteem was based on what people thought about you and your awards and your accomplishments. And now that you're mm. done with all that, you don't know who you are. Yeah. I became depressed. But I'm glad that you talked about your feelings of low self-esteem because at the end of the day, part of doing the work is getting at the root of what is really causing you to drink or causing you not to want to deal with your feelings. Exactly. And for you, it was a low self-esteem and it was that for me as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, and never really understanding where all of that came from. I still don't understand to this day. <laughs> we all deal with that to Especially a certain point, Especially as women right? of color. Yeah, and I think that we, we all find different coping mechanisms. Yeah. Do you remember <laughs> what I said about being addicted to reactions? Yeah. Yes. There you go. I literally yes. was like, <laughs> I can, that's why I'm connecting with you so much on this, because I'm like, I feel you. Yeah. Like, needing validation <laughs> and, and yeah. thriving off of that validation is, whoo, that's a dangerous cycle. What was your lowest point that you looked at yourself and said, oof, this is a problem? Within one year, I lost my job, right. my high-paying job. I can't yeah. afford my high-paying apartment. I right. can't afford my high-paying car. car. Right. Yeah. So I lost basically all those three things in one. Had to move back home with my parents. A lot of my relationships were basically horrible. Yeah. So at this point, I have to like turn inwards and be like, Katie, what is wrong with you? Like, if all this stuff is happening, it has to be you. There's yeah. something that you are doing. Yeah. And it was extremely hard for me because as black folks, we keep a lot of this stuff inside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But at that time, I thought I was the only person going through this. Uh. So I never met anyone at that time that I thought had an addiction. I didn't even know what an addiction was. In my head, it was like older white men, big bellies, no clue what I was going through. Right. I just knew I needed help. 
So I started to go see a therapist and she said, maybe you should take a break from drinking. And I looked at her like, what are you talking about? Like, why are you bringing up alcohol? What does it have to do with me? Like, wow. like, not, like that has nothing to do with me. Like, it's not in my family. No one drinks at home. So after a couple of sessions, I gave into the idea, like, you know what? Like, she's right. Drinking is the cause. Yeah. I think every time I drink, something bad or negative actually does happen. One of the suggestions my therapist gave me was to go to a 12-step program. Right. So I went. I was the only black person. So that, like, threw me off, and that just really rubbed me the wrong way. 100%. Mm-hmm. So it was the culture that you did, I that just, just didn't It didn't make sense to me. Right. It felt like there were rules I had to follow, and there were things I had to agree on. If I didn't agree on certain things, then I wasn't doing something right. right. I wasn't doing sobriety right. Yeah. Right. I couldn't get with it. Right. I could not get with it. I understand that. So then I created Sober Blackos Club. And then when the pandemic hit, we really expanded because folks needed meetings and they felt like the meetings they were going to online, yeah. they didn't feel like they belonged. Long, they yeah. felt like they couldn't talk about certain issues. Which I don't know like if you did 12-step, but there was a point where you couldn't talk about outside issues. Right. And what is an outside issue? Can you please tell me what that means? That means you can't talk about race. So when George Floyd passed away, I was actually at a 12-step meeting. I went to go support a friend. We're talking about it. We're really upset. And I'm at this meeting, but there's no sense of despair, of anger, of sadness. Like, right. everyone is pretending or acting as if a Black man has not just been killed. Right, on national television. I'm grieving, and you all are just having a wonderful time. Yeah. And I wasn't the only one person who was feeling like this. There was a... Girls all around the nation were feeling like this, and that's yes. why we decided to create our own meetings. Yeah. If you need to go to rehab, go to your rehab. But on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, and Sundays, we're going to get together. That's beautiful. Like, I'm literally sitting here going, wow, like, that's so important. Like, the fact that there's so much as women of color that we see in this world that isn't designed for us and catered for us. I'm just sitting here. I'm being very, very quiet. I'm just trying to listen and understand because that has just not been my experience. Right. It's almost like finding a therapist. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you just have to keep going until you find the right one. I'm just sorry that you had that experience. Yeah. I've definitely felt what you're talking about. It was just culturally didn't fit what I needed. And I felt very much an outsider. And so because of my specific experiences of being a black woman and the traumas that I was coming with that certain programs that I would go to couldn't relate. And there weren't hardly anyone in there that looked like me either. Yeah. You know, and so I totally get it. Thank you for the work that you're doing. You know, thank you for the Black Girl Sober Club. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah, We appreciate it. Beautiful testimony. We both have on black turbans today. It's the name of the game. It is. It's how you succeed. (laughs) Hey. Join the Red Table Talk family and become a part of the conversation. Follow us at Facebook.com slash Red Table Talk. Thanks for listening to this episode of Red Table Talk podcast, produced by Facebook Watch, Westbrook Audio, and iHeartRadio. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.